Hi everyone, welcome to the bit in between Christmas and New Year where you're not really sure what day it is and you've eaten way too much turkey. It's Friday, so that means it's a no such thing as a fish day. And what do we have for you today? We have the 2018 clip show. All the best bits from this year that didn't quite fit into the actual episode. So it's all new, you've never heard it. They're all times when we were just too silly, too stupid. People were making mistakes, there's loads of outtakes. Uh, And we'll see you with a brand new episode in 2019. So please enjoy it. On with the show. Ho, ho. No? My fact this week is that it might look like Anna is drinking a pint of lime and soda, but that is a pint of wine. It's not. <laughs> and this is this is not a podcast. This is an intervention. Anna, we love you. We're worried about you. It's not a pint of wine. It was a pint of wine. Um, <laughs> There was only one wine glass in the green room, genuinely, and Andy hogged it, so Uh, I had no choice. Anna practically threw it at me, saying, no, 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 it's fine, I'll use this. Okay, none of this could go in the podcast. So So according to old English folklore, if you dream of gathering nuts, then that's a bad omen. Oh. Um, There's an old English proverb, which is, a good year for nuts is a good year for babies. Very true. Very true. Uh, do, can you guess why that is? Um, um, eat, lots, eat lots of nuts. Nope. Um, uh, do they come? Do people used to think that when a nut fell from a tree, it cracked open and a baby came out? <laughs> no, they weren't idiots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, um, it's because gathering nuts was like um, you could do it undercover as like a way of meeting people of the opposite sexy. sex. Oh, I see. Yeah, so you're like, oh, we're just going gathering nuts. And then um, you'd plant your seeds. And there's a there's a thing, here we go, gathering nuts in May. Yes. And May is springtime. Oh, so do it's... you think that could be a sexy... Well, point? weirdly, uh, that doesn't make any sense because... <laughs> it, no, not your theory. I'm not rubbishing your theory. I Thank think it's you. a really good theory. Thank you. The rhyme itself, obviously, if you think about it, nuts aren't falling in May, are they? I don't know. Well, I'm you sorry, know, I'm in, sorry, in autumn they, they fall come in down. the autumn, yeah. yeah. Right, okay, well, cool. Let's all shake, you know, <laughs> suburbs Murray. <Come> on. <laughs> <laughs> you do know what happens in autumn. Yeah, surely. Con- conkers, actually, yeah. Then yep. nuts. Yep. There we, you all go. Right, with half a second's thought, we could have avoided this. <laughs> I didn't, so here we are. I think we're all pleased we had to go through it, though. <laughs> so, um, so what's gathering nuts in May? So actually, it's thought that it's the knots of May, which is something that they use to refer to Hawthorne. So they're just uh, gathering Hawthorne, but that could have been a sexy thing to do as well, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, Did you know that the first ever aircraft carrier was for hot air balloons? Uh, no. It was, it was in the US Civil War, and they were used for reconnaissance, and it was called the General Washington Park Custis. It was a converted coal barge, and it had its deck cleared, and it was used specifically to store lots of the Union um, hot air balloons. That was the first ever aircraft carrier. That's very, That's very cool. Really good. Hmm. But it, was, it didn't fly itself. No, no, much like a normal aircraft carrier yeah. today. Um, they, they don't just fly on the sea. They just <laughs> bob around on the ocean. Excuse me, this aircraft carrier is not flying at all. I'd like a refund of my $50 billion. <laughs> I've only ever listened as far as the word aircraft. Yeah. <laughs> 
the story of the first nativity I found quite sweet. So it was created by Francis of Assisi. It was in 1223. That was the first ever nativity scene. And it was because, you know, he was the patron saint of animals, wasn't he? He was always shown with loads of rabbits crawling all over him and stuff. Uh, <laughs> in a nice way. And he... Wasn't constantly deluged with rabbits and fighting them off and having to kill them just to get a bit of sleep at night. Why would these rabbits leave me alone? Drowning in rabbits. <laughs> yeah, when he got up for air, to gasp for air, he said, uh, let's make a nativity scene because at that time the Bible was read out in Latin in church at Christmas and no one knew what anyone was saying and he really wanted it to become a bit more uh, relatable for people and for them to actually understand what was going on. And so it was done with real actors or well probably not professional actors real people it was done in a village in Italy and it involved a manger and a real ox and a real donkey and he quite sweetly had a a wax model as the baby Jesus and he tried to explain as he was giving the sermon that this was the baby Jesus but he was so overwhelmed with the motion that he couldn't say the word Jesus so in the first interview scene the the word Jesus wasn't said he just kept on saying the babe of Bethlehem and couldn't get it out Yeah, but then it really took off from there. And the hay from that very first nativity scene was then taken away by all the onlookers and fed to their farm animals, and apparently it cured them of all their malaria and other diseases. (laughs) That's how you cure it. That's how you do it. Magic hay. Horses can only breathe through their noses. I didn't realise. As opposed to their mouths. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, of course. <laughs> no, as opposed to their anuses. I, know, I don't know why, where I was going with that. I saw you realising halfway through that question what the alternative was. I suppose when you see one a horse in the cold mm-hmm. and it's breathing, it is kind of the... the it comes out of the nose, doesn't it? So it's the nostrils, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. don't tape up a horse's nostrils or anything. I won't. No. Okay. In case you were going to. <laughs> I have to leave. <laughs> um, Churchill used to listen to translations of Hitler's speeches on a gramophone, and he would play back the bits where Hitler mentioned him by name. Did he? Yeah. That's very Trumpy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is a bit. Oh. What a, why did he do it? What, what a loser. Why? Yeah, is it just an ego trip? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I regret mentioning it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was looking at some strange driving rules that you can infringe abroad okay. oh, in this okay. country, but um, I didn't realise this thing about parking rules in various countries can get so complicated. So in various countries, but particularly in Sweden, you have this system that they call datum parkering, which is about parking on alternate sides of the street depending on the date. So if there's a certain sign on mm. lots of streets, and what it means is if you see this sign, then on the morning of odd dates, then you're not allowed to park on the side of the street where the houses have odd numbers. Oh and on goodness. the morning of even dates, you're not allowed to park on the side of the street with the houses have even numbers and so if you park in the evening and it's going to be then the next morning you have to plan for the next morning that it will be on the right side i mean it just sounds like a way to get money off foreigners doesn't doesn't it (laughs) that sounds a bit like that um the system in paris that they have where only odd on wednesdays like mondays wednesdays and fridays odd numbered license plates are allowed yes. into the oh, centre. Yeah, they did that in Central or South America. It might have been Mexico City and what happened was just people bought two cars. Yeah. <laughs> so they bought yeah. two cars and they, ended up, and they were always old cars because they had to buy two so they had to be cheaper and yeah. so yeah. the pollution went way up. Oh, But it is this, this odd numbers houses thing seems to dictate as well in other countries. In Belgium, for the first half of the month you can park on the side of the road with odd house numbers and the second half of the month with even which is kind of a hassle if you have to jump out of your car and run up to the front door and check the house number. It's amazing. Mm. I'm sure, I'm 100% certain. In fact, I know I've parked in Belgium. 
Yeah, it's not every road. There'll be a oh. sign, and it's a it's a special sign Is that they all recognise. There's not even any words on it. There's just a random <laughs> image <laughs> that you definitely foreigner <laughs> scratching his head, <laughs> giving away money. Yeah. That's in when I went to New York, someone was telling me that. Um, the parking is actually surprisingly, if you're a resident in kind of Manhattan, it's actually surprisingly like easy and cheap to park outside your house and costs fairly nothing. And the only rule is that you have to, once a week, you have to, your car has to be out of the space for two hours while they clean the street. It must be the same two hours for everyone, right? Otherwise, it's a poor street yeah. cleaner who just every time he sees a car leave has to jump yes, in there. Yes. <laughs> um, just but wait a minute. That can't be true, right? There's no way for two hours every week, every single car in town starts driving. No, it's not the same two hours. I'm sure there's a rotor of streets where you know there's like one, just two hours. all your neighbours turn like, up. Listen. Hey, man, parking thing again. Yeah, let's all go, shall we? That's a ridiculous <laughs> assumption that Manhattan has one street cleaner who's got two hours. Like a sort of like cleaning Santa to cover all of Manhattan. <laughs> it can't be done. I'd like to see that sitcom about that guy. <laughs> no, I think I think I think a Christmas festive film where he has oh, to do yeah. it in one night and then. <laughs> yeah. um, Picture if you type on a on a keyboard and you're typing something and you don't look down. You're one of those people who've who's got amazing words per minute. So they did a study in a university where they got people to type 70 words per minute. That was the goal. Can you get that that fast? And everyone, 94 uh, percent of the time, managed to do that. They then did a second test on them, which was, can you now write out where everything on the keyboard is? Qwerty. Can you write out the placings and? All they could manage was at tops fifteen of the letters yeah. of the alphabet. They had 15. no, they had no idea where the rest were, and it's all, because it's all automatic memory. Something's going on. The fingers are doing the dancing at that point. And that's, that's really interesting. That's like you know when someone says, "What's your pin number?" If someone's you know paying with your card, and often you have to go up and say, "Oh, I need to type it in." You have that right? Mm. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. It's exactly like it's that. in your yeah. fingers. The magic is here. That yeah. is the, actually, like, this isn't a fight, but that is the worst feeling, isn't it? Where your fingers stop remembering and then you just, you've lost it. Yeah. There's yeah. no way to get your number back yeah. then. It's just, yeah. it's all over. It's not You're right. Is that just me? That's not just no, me. No, no, that's me too. Because no. yeah. I, I, I look away as well. I'm like, oh, come on. And then when it's wrong, you're like, oh, you were my last. Like, <laughs> this isn't even my last. This, <laughs> asshole. And that's, <laughs> then they say, sir, step away from the ATM machine. <laughs> Maybe it falls out when you cut your nails. Uh, <laughs> it's just a theory. Just a theory. Uh, something else that rained down to Earth was the Earth's core. What? Yeah, so no. The Earth's core is made of iron. Uh, and the way that it got there, we think, is a massive meteor comes in, hits the Earth, vaporizes, goes into the sky, and then rains down and eventually seeps into the wow. center of the planet. Oh, so it's, it tunneled its way in? Kind of. That's well, it's very denser, cool. isn't it, than anything else around it, and that's Sneaky. where it goes there. Sneaky. Wow. So that would have been iron rain, molten iron rain? Yep. Wow. Yeah. Need a strong umbrella. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, was a, there was another dog called Rolf, it was a terrier, and he spoke through tapping his paw against boards, um, each letter of the al alphabet represented by different taps. <laughs> so um, if you ask them, all dogs are called Rolf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> a real dad joke, that one. <laughs> I, 
I read about a, um, a Bible-themed amusement park, uh, which is in Buenos Aires, Tierra Santa, and it is um, it was meant to have like roller coasters and stuff like that. They had, they didn't end up doing that, so it's a lot of sort of plastic Bible scenes that they've made. So the scale down has gone quite a bit, except for their one centerpiece for the whole thing, which is that they have in the distance with a hill a 40-foot-tall animatronic Jesus that comes <laughs> out from the side of the mountain every hour as part of the resurrection. He resurrects every hour a 40-foot Jesus <laughs> out the side of a mountain. But he wasn't wow. resurrected as a giant. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's really far away, so maybe he looks really close when, he, when you see it. That's wow, amazing. that sounds absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Do you know where the largest Jesus statue in the world is, just as a bit of trivia? I would have said in uh, Rio de Janeiro. No, there's a taller one um, in Svobodzin in Poland. It's called Christ the King. It's 108 feet tall, uh, and it has a Wi-Fi transmitter in its crown. Wow. (laughs) Just like the real Jesus. (laughs) Any stuff on King Louis XIII of France? Got some stuff, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because he did not comb his hair until he was nine months old. Well, he probably didn't do it at that age. But no one combed his hair until he was nine months old. How come? Uh, And no one washed his legs until he was five. And he had his first bath at the (laughs) he had his first bath at the age of seven. What? (laughs) Why? Why Start somewhere. So sorry, uh, did they start with his legs? So, or had they washed the rest of his body and then they didn't get to his legs until he was they five? They washed his legs first when he was five right. in tepid water. Oh, okay. And then when he was seven, he had his first bath. And at that stage, everything was clean. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's not like until he was five, they only just quickly dunked him in the yeah. bath, but they were holding his legs. So obviously you can't wash the legs. No, they just didn't no, wash anything. So they didn't wash anything. So it was in the time when washing was seen to be perhaps not great for you. Yeah. Um, his hair's combed what more do you want (laughs) (laughs) at one stage he boasted that he takes after his father and he smells of armpits yeah he was a smelly man he was but he was he had a horrible upbringing I think his parents might have just um, not washed him out of spite he was a very very sad man I grew to really like him and so his mother tried to keep the throne for as long as possible. So he was made king officially, I think, about age nine. Mm. Um, but his mother was desperate to stay regent and hated her son. And so she would humiliate him or keep him out of power. So once when he was 15 and he's king, he's in front of his court, she just stood up and slapped him in the face um, just to tell him off. Another time oh. he tried to attend a meeting of the royal council that he was supposed to be holding. And whereupon the source I was reading said, whereupon she took him by the shoulders and threw him out of it. So wow. she was real harsh. That is harsh. And she also forced him to sleep with his wife. So, <laughs> well, you know, almost every historian concurs that he was gay. Oh. Um, and he never had any mistresses. He never showed any interest in women, showed a lot of interest in men. And he was married off to Anne of Austria, who was confusingly a Spanish queen, when they were both. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been so annoying for her, always being asked, so what's it like in Austria? <laughs> My parents just had a silly sense of humour. <laughs> She, Anne of Austria of Spain, uh, came over. (laughs) Her brother Dave of Denmark. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, she came over to marry him and he had to be physically carried into the wedding bed because he was desperate not to sleep with her and he was really freaked out. And two nurses were there to monitor the act to make sure it happened because otherwise you could sort of get an annulment and that would ruin the alliance between Spain and France. And then he ran out of the bedroom as soon as he'd done it and refused to even enter it or eat with his wife or speak to her for about six months. 
Wow. He had regiments of Croatian mercenaries that he liked. <laughs> Who were actually from Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, they are famous. For what reason? Because their uniform. Ooh. The cravats. Because they wore cravats. They wore oh. neckties. Mm. Uh, and because Hrvatska uh, is Croatian for Croatia, um, they became known as cravats. And that's where we get the word from. Nice. Cool. Cool. That's so cool. And he was also big on wigs. He was sort of he the original. Yeah, he was a big wig. <laughs> he was the original wig wearer. Uh, in, in the way that cravats sort of became fashionable, he brought them back in, wigs back into fashion as well so he was thinning in his hair and he wanted to disguise that and the surrounding friends uh, all thought we want to help you out and not make you look like you're the only person wearing a wig so they wore wigs as well and then that spread and everyone was wig wearing again Uh, and Anna of Austria popularized hot chocolate did she yeah she brought it over from Spain (laughs) (laughs) and it became an instant status symbol and they said that only the aristocracy were allowed to drink it and that was true for a while and then after a while everyone was allowed to drink it in france i I know i've said this before it is easy to see why they had a revolution if they're Mm. saying only we can drink hot chocolate (laughs) yeah i'm amazed it took 100 years after this (laughs) (laughs) there is a theory that there is a bonus track hidden in the last supper Ah. What do you mean? It's that the bread rolls on the table are a musical arrangement. Come on. And if you play the if you play the bread rolls from left to right along the last supper, it plays a tune. And if pe- so presumably people have done this, right? Yes, I clicked on it earlier today and it said video unavailable. <laughs> We just, so we don't know what the tune is now. No, I've, I've actually, I, I have actually heard it. Um, yeah, and it's it's a it may, it's a tune that does work. So it's um, so I'm not making this up. No, you're not making this Thank up. Thank you. Yeah, Everyone oh, no, no. I mean, like I've been making it up. I mean, the guy who discovered it is insane because right. it's not real. <laughs> it's not a real thing. He's looked at bread rolls and thought that looks like a quaver. Like that's not a. <laughs> it's not a thing. Did you guys hear about the countdown thieves? In 2009. No. So these were some, I think I might have read this in the Daily Mail, um, but these were thieves that the police were hunting for who were stealing bit letters from shop signs in Norwich. They did it to seven stores over three nights and they were stealing specific letters and then one of them was caught on camera and was overheard saying, I'm just trying to spell my own name. And so then the police Aww. released the fact that they were looking for people who might be called... <laughs> One of these names, Sam, Danny, Alan, Lloyd, Glynn, or Manning. Because they realise <laughs> Manning. Is it Bernard Manning? Manning. He'd wow. fallen on hard times. <laughs> I once tried to convince Dan Schreiber um, that one of the lines in the English national anthem was, Oscar Pistorius. Because <laughs> everything else sort of seems to rhyme with that. And he was yeah. like, that's not true, surely. Surely that's not. And like, I was like, when is he going to pull out his phone and Google it? And he pulled out his phone. He's like, it's not true, right? And I was like, no, of course it's not true. You're <laughs> not going to do it, anything. Uh, he sounds like an idiot. Yeah, what a moron. <laughs> um, I discovered a few things that genuinely surprised me about both ears and what we can hear and what we can't hear. So first thing that shocked me is that... Um, when we're asleep, our ears are still listening. Isn't that weird? Well, how do you think loud noises wake you up? I, well, I... <laughs> <laughs> Just thought you went deaf. Oh, deaf she's and blind. got you there, pal. Wow. <laughs> I assumed that that was some sort of like 
secret knock to let in. <laughs> like it's just if it's at a certain loudness, then maybe mm. then you get woken up. But I did genuinely think that when you went to sleep, you sort of just boo, shut down and mm. your ears kind of just went, okay, I'm, I'm taking the night off as really? well. And you are alone in thinking that, I think. <laughs> yeah. Really? So let's move on to my next amazing fact. <laughs> Apparently, when uh, this is a noise that we can't hear that we make on our own, when you rub your forefinger and your thumb together, you make an ultrasonic signal. Oh, yeah. That oh, really? is so, um, it, it's, it works so clearly that uh, people often use it to detect whether a, a bat detector is working. Yeah. So you rub it against a bat detector and, it, and that will give you a signal. So anyone wow. listening, I'm doing it now. If you just go to your bat detector and um, <laughs> I wonder if over a podcast I can set it off. Well, do you know that's... Anna. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Do you, I mean, James, sorry, what, what is a bat detector? Yeah. <laughs> Who has bat detectors? People with bats. What, uh, what, is it, what do you mean a bat detector? Something that's detecting the ultrasonic sounds of bats, like a scientific right, instrument. Yeah, yeah. Must yeah. be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's... Dan, for the, for the listener at home, Dan has been rubbing his finger and thumb by the mic for about 30 seconds now. And if I could get... And a your home of... will be full of bats. <laughs> <laughs> Did, Did you know that Laughing Cow is Comte cheese? What do you which mean? Which I love. Sorry, I don't know Comte. Oh, is soft, is maybe. That a soft cheese? No, maybe this is just a thing that we have in my family because I love it. It's like really creamy, nice European cheese. And it, I don't think your family, the only people who've heard it. <laughs> I don't think there's a special Tuzinski family cheese. Tuzinski cheese. I wow wow. I mean, it, it's, it was a hard one, and about, I tried it, and about, it didn't work out. Tuzinski. Yeah, that's the obvious <laughs> shit. Shit. <laughs> The Great Pigeon Race Disaster uh, was something that Anna posted about on the QI boards a few years ago and yeah. that I read about. Do you remember that? I, I, I love it. I couldn't believe it's I've amazing. never mentioned it before when all the pigeons disappeared because there's an extremely <laughs> famous pigeon race. Sorry, extremely famous among pigeon fancies. Um, and it's between Paris and London, isn't it? Or it's yeah. between France and the UK. France and, the UK yeah. and it was in the 80s or 90s? It was from Nantes to the UK, to the people's Not. homes in the UK. Uh, and yeah, there were 60,000 pigeons taking part and 90% of them disappeared. <gasps> and no, it never no happened. Knows. Like every year before that, no. they'd all arrived back. No one back. knew why. Whoa. There's a theory that there was a Concorde flight yeah. that was going over the channel at the time and that disrupted their magnetic impulses. Wow. And sorry, what, what year were we, were we in? 97. Oh, okay. So quite recently. Yeah. Uh, and there was one guy called Tom Roden uh, who lost his winning champion pigeon, Whitetail. Uh, and five years later, the pigeon was on his doorstep. Yeah. Oh, no way. Five years. <laughs> I want to see the movie about what happened yeah. in the last five years. That's incredible. That awesome. Do you think he opened the door and just went, where the hell have you been? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have you heard of um, Bristol's punctuation Banksy? This is an amazing guy. He was active at least until last year. So he, uh, he goes around just correcting poor punctuation. And there was an interview with him recently. He has built himself a device he calls an apostrophizer, which is a very long-handled bit of kit, which allows him to either cover over an apostrophe which shouldn't be there in a sign or add one in uh, if he needs an extra one. And someone said to him what he was doing was probably illegal, going around mucking around with businesses' signs just for having an apostrophe in the wrong place. And he said, I'm sticking on a bit of sticky back plastic. It's more of a crime to have the apostrophes wrong. Oh, he's wrong about that, isn't I he? I think yeah. he is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but he's been going since 2003. Wow. So, yeah. So he's been getting away with it that long. Yeah. And how also, has he not been apprehended? How misspelt is Bristol that he's still in operation? 
Is he only a, is correcting he, the word Bristol? Yeah, imagine if he thought that Bristol had two S's in it. <laughs> He's like, they've got it wrong again. I think it's not a full-time job. It's also not a job. No one pays him. <laughs> but he is called, as you say, the Banksy of punctuation or apostrophe Avenger. So he's got, you know, cool <laughs> names. Yeah. <laughs> they feel ironic to me, those names. They feel self-given. Yeah. <laughs> there is a National Punctuation Day in America. So. And the CNN interviewed the guy, uh, he's called Jeff Rubin, who set it up. He used to be a reporter. And CNN wrote that he grew increasingly frustrated as he spotted errors in the newspaper. They quoted him, I would sit at the kitchen table with my red sharpie screaming obscenities, which would upset my wife. <laughs> <laughs> she encouraged me to find another outlet for my aggravation. <laughs> so he set up National Punctuation Day. Oh, good on him. It's, I mean, good on, yeah, it's better for his wife. Sort of. I wonder if that has solved his quite deep-seated character flaws that I'm interpreting from that story. But <laughs> whatever he had to do. Uh, they they had things called dog dramas in the 19th century, early 19th century, where the dog was like the hero of the play. So they would usually have other human actors, but the dog would do the, the really heroic things. There was one where the show ended with a dog jumping in a pool of water and saving a child. Um, but what would all often happen is mischievous theatre goers would throw meat onto the stage to distract the dogs. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Thus drowning a child, but <laughs> it's all good fun for the audience, isn't it? So you know the idea of um, just going back to the Fire of London. Um, did you guys know that the the sort of there's a worshipful company of bakers? It's sort of the union of the bakers. They apologised officially for it. <laughs> did they? Yeah, 320 okay. years later. Um, but so late, guys. After, the, after the legal threat has yeah. diminished. Well, it, it's never too late to apologise, said the then Lord Mayor of London, who was called Alan Davis. Oh, yeah. Do you guys remember Alan Davis? That must have been only I the I remember 80s. the guy who was in QI. Yeah. And it's still in QI, <laughs> by the fought, way, in he case used, people hear it. Yeah, he used thing. to be the uh, Mayor of London. Um, really? Yeah, no, no, that. but Alan, yeah, Alan Davis. I think around 1986 this would have happened, if it's 320 years after mm. 1666. Wow. And um, right. I did work that out. <laughs> and, it, and it did take ages. Um, <laughs> I was as close as I come to sounding intelligent. Um, yeah, they, they apologised officially for it. That's good that they admitted to it, finally, because at the time, the French and the Dutch were blamed all across town, and loads of French and Dutch were arrested, and I think... And just was, beaten up. And just, yeah, beaten, constantly. Yeah. So we were at war, or Britain was at war with France, and the Netherlands, there were sort of Protestant plots everywhere, and so I think there was a French woman who had her breast cut off, because people thought what Whoa. she was carrying was um, like explosive devices, and it was just... It was chickens. Food, some chickens, oh, right. chicks. No. She was carrying some chickens, and people thought they were fireballs. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. You would have thought in the process of chopping off someone's boobies, you would find out that they weren't fireballs, they were chicks, wouldn't you? Yeah. You've gone too far then, you've got to go through with it. You're right. Yeah. There, are, yeah. there are parallels with our current political climate, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> have, have we progressed? Oh, yes. Brexit no. is the big breast cutting off yeah. of the 21st century. It's, yeah, it's the horrific metaphor that we, we find ourselves in. Wow. In 2010, in Belgium, there was a guy who was experimenting with the idea of solving the problem of pigeons pooing all over cities. So, massive problem, poo on your head, poo on car windows, <laughs> yeah. poo, on, it's poo just, on your head. Poo on your head. <laughs> and um, so what he what he's attempted to do, and I don't know if this has actually worked, but he's tempted to create a special bacteria that when it's fed to the pigeons, it metabolizes, and when they defecate, what comes out is not poo, but a soapy-like substance. So they end up 
cleaning your head, <laughs> shampooing your head, and cleaning I'll stick the streets. With head and shoulders, and, I think. <laughs> you don't want to squeeze a pigeon over your head in the shower. Um, yeah. So the idea you is can't that, make them poo soap. <laughs> not fair. It's not, not fair, fair, but it's probably can it, possible. Can it ha- but I just can't. Where's the waste product going? I mean, there's poo in that yeah. soap. Yeah, there yes. is poo in there. It's pooey soap. It's pooey soap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I suppose what they're saying is okay. So there are soapy molecules in there. Yep. Uh, which will attach to the pooey substances, and when it rains, it'll be easier to flush away. Does yeah, that make sense? It feels like give. I forgot that poo has to come out at some point. Um, so yeah. yeah, that must be the that must be the logic. Unless these it. pigeons are just growing bigger and bigger and bigger, and eventually they just explode with their own feces. But <laughs> Which I don't presents know. more problems to for cleaning up a city. <laughs> it totainly does. It's but a short term solution. This wasn't just a mad gut. Like they were given a grant by um, the Flemish Architecture and Design Committee and Ministry of Culture. Like it's it was a funded yeah, proper science. You idea. would go to the Ministry of Culture, though, wouldn't you? If you had this <laughs> Not, slightly strange idea, that's true. There's Don't no... go to the science people. <laughs> <laughs> there is a, a thing. There's a. It, this is another amphipod, uh, which is this is originally about, and it's called. And I'm going to take a run up at this. Pseudamphithoides incaveria. It lives in the Caribbean and it eats seaweed. And this is another really sort of just a weird uh, kind of defense mechanism in nature. So the seaweed that it eats has chemicals which deter fish. Same deal. It gives off toxic chemicals. But the amphipod, it doesn't just eat it. It also makes a little house for itself out of this algae. Uh, and it has out of its own food, I guess, right? Yeah. Like a gingerbread house kind of thing. Yeah, exactly like that. And so, exactly like that. And it, it swims around with its head and front legs sticking out of this. It's more like a sleeping bag, I guess. It's more, like, more like a sleeping a bag than a house. A gingerbread sleeping bag. Yeah. Or like a, like a, like a ham sleeping bag. <laughs> and like, it just, a, like a hammock. Like a hammock. And wow. it just, you guys are going to be so surprised by the laugh that comes after that when the podcast comes out. <laughs> You know, I don't remember that being nearly as funny on the night. <laughs> um, a lot of pigeons are being smuggled out of Syria at the moment. Wow. Um, so because Syria was the world leading uh, pigeon breeding place. So in the Middle East, they say, you know, all the best pigeon breeders are Syrians. And now they're getting sent over the border because obviously it's not safe for them to be there anymore. And pigeon fanciers in Syria can't keep them anymore. And so there are lots of collectors who are going on these kind of death defying missions to get them. There's a guy who's spent $5 million on Syrian pigeons. This is a guy called Nasser, who's a Jordanese, Jordanian, who's Jordanian. And there was one instance where 70 pigeons were killed when they were being smuggled across the border and uh, they got caught in a fight. So, wow. yeah, it's taken its toll on the poor pigeons. But, yeah, they are, they are really valuable there. That's amazing. Akbar the Great, who was a Mughal emperor around there uh, in the 16th century, he always travelled wherever he went with his personal colony of 10,000 pigeons. 10,000? What? <laughs> <laughs> what? They're only small. I can I have 10,001 rooms, please? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they all got their own room. <laughs> no, maybe not. But they could, like, um, some of them were really beautiful, some of them could do tricks and tumble through the air and, you know. Some of them pooed soap. <laughs> whole, whole thing, yeah. Did he name them all? Uh, do I don't know. I, I doubt it. No, he probably named his favourite ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is impressive. That Imagine is taking so register every day for that. <laughs> um, 
Do you guys know what's happened to actually the original manuscript of The Origin of Species? On The Origin of Species? No. Um, so it has various drawings on it. So, for instance, it has a drawing of a green fish with pink legs and fins and a bright blue umbrella. And this it's covered in these doodles. And this is because Charles Darwin was a really fun dad. So he wrote The Origin of Species. And then he gave it to his kids and was like, well, this, I'm done with this now. I've had this idea. Have that. And it's covered in his kids' doodles. Cool. And so... Wow. You think they read the that? book and thought maybe one day animals will evolve to have an umbrella? Yes. Yeah, maybe actually Darwin discovered a lot more than he led on. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> he, he did, we wanted to keep it secret. Yeah. So he put around the story, oh, yeah, my kids just drew that weird creature <laughs> yeah. with 15 legs and... <laughs> An umbrella growing out of its fin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so it was actually him who drew it and he was backtracking on his own illustrations. That's what I'm saying, right. is that Darwin drew all these secret animals that didn't exist. Because he thought if they don't believe that relatively plausible evolution yeah. stuff, they're never going to believe in the umbrella fish. <laughs> <laughs> um, another Canadian thing. Well, do you know what the national animal of Canada is? Which uh, I think is a bit rough. Not a beaver. Yeah, it's, it's a beaver. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just always think it's such a great thing to have bears. I would would yes. have picked that. But um, it's really controversial. They're not really into having the beaver. Um, it's been debated whether they should ditch it since the mid nineteenth century. And in nineteen sixty four, <laughs> I was reading a lecture that a Canadian historian gave that complained that the beaver is representative of English Canada rather than French, and oh. that means that it represents a pretty intelligent animal on a rather low level who is very fond of work and has not much idea beyond that. So that was his impression of what the English element of Canada had given to the country wow. that the beaver represented. Mm. Wanted to ditch. the French area want in... I'm not sure, actually. What would the French um, animal be? Not a beaver. <laughs> Something with fur that was cute that we would kill. Yes, a bear. Yes, a bear. <laughs> yes. A bear. Or a seal pup. Lovely. <laughs> but the, um, aren't we reintroducing beavers to Scotland at the moment? Isn't that, happen? mm. yeah. Isn't that a happening thing? Yeah. And, and uh, very interestingly, when they reintroduced wolves in the various parks in North America, particularly uh, Yellowstone, uh, it had this extraordinary effect of increasing the beaver population, which uh, no one had considered, but it just as sort of another example of how interrelated everything yeah. is, is that the wolves slightly kept down the elk stroke moose, and um, they didn't go as far south, and they didn't eat the young vegetation on which the beavers re relied to, to, to make their... To, sort of fluff yeah. up their dams mm. and their okay. lodges and dams. So they, they thrived because of the... But miles, you know, a thousand miles north where the wolves were mm -hmm. was affecting the beavers uh, in the south. Wow. Mm -hmm. You couldn't have predicted that. No, you really, really couldn't. Could you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's marvellous. It's like a butterfly effect in a way. It is. That's why we shouldn't mess with system. it. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, another Canadian thing, one more thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, poutine. So this, yes, nice, delicious food. Yeah, yeah. What food, is it? gravy, sort of gravy on gravy on chips. Yeah. with curd. That's it um, on it. Right, and, yes. and they give it a posh-sounding name to it convince us. It does sound like LEG's name for a lady part. <laughs> 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 well, the thing is, in French parting, uh, speaking Canada, it's kind of unusual sounding to them because in France you don't call Vladimir Putin Putin. Because in France, Putin means prostitute. Of course, Putin, yes. Putin, yeah. yeah. So in France, they all call him Vladimir Putin. And so in mm. Canada, they have like a Vladimir's Poutine restaurant. Oh. <laughs> Very cool. Wow. Do you know when the Queen takes her Christmas um, decorations down? Um, never. No. Never. <laughs> <laughs> She's one of those weirdos who has them up all year round. <laughs> no, she waits till February. Feb wow. February the 6th and it's actually it's quite sweet it's in honour of her father who died on that day and then they do these weird things when they have their Christmas dinners so 
um, this year, Meghan Markle will be weighed before she has her Christmas turkey, <laughs> as, will, as will all of the royal members. They do this thing where they weigh them. They all stand on a Not weighing scale. Not just the members, though. The, the people as well, right? <laughs> Sorry. I'm ashamed. <laughs> yes, they, they will the be weighed. The great royal Christmas todger weighed. <laughs> So they, yeah, they weigh the full humans and they, they then have the meal and then they weigh them afterwards again to see whether or not they've been well fed enough. That's the symbolic idea of, of them. So yeah. you, have to, you have to eat the most, you have to gain the most. Um, yeah. as in I that's, no, so. I don't think it's a game. I think it's just a, yeah. it's just a tradition. <laughs> and also the queen likes to wear, this is, again, this is like you say, a lot of this stuff is put out there, who knows if it's true, um, from their official sources, but uh, she likes to wear the paper crown from a cracker. That's her thing. She? Quite a nice image, isn't it? <laughs> it's really nice. Wouldn't it be great to, to rig up Prince Charles's cracker so that there's never a crown inside? 